When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Beekeeping for Newbies. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I sincerely appreciate you being here. And I definitely want to thank you for all of the uh, the kind reviews and uh, the great emails I've gotten lately. I've been uh, truly humbled and I really appreciate everything everything everybody has said and sent. And I certainly enjoy chatting with everyone about their lives and their bee journeys and all that good stuff. But as always, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. It's just jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. And don't forget to reach us on all of our social media platforms here, which our special guest today will tell you all about. Okay, so let's uh, let's kind of jump right in here, and uh, we'll talk about some quick updates on the APR. I don't have a whole lot of excitement to report there. I think with so many people coming into town for uh, visits and, and kind of catching up with old friends and the uh, deal falling through with the other commercial guy here in Virginia on the colonies that he was supposed to be providing for me this spring, uh, you know, all those things together sort of reduced uh, the sense of urgency to get things done down there since I didn't have all those colonies coming in. But uh, but I do still have some colonies here at the house. I will be relocating them down there to the property here as we get things prepped over the coming weeks. And... Uh, I've actually got a couple more trips coming up here shortly, a little bit of a work-related trip, and then I've got a uh, another personal trip going on here, just trying to wrap up the summer strong. I did actually do a little bit of work down there. I take that back. I did some work on the driveway not long ago, just made it a little bit wider to give some room for the uh, the RV based on my last trip out. I think I was hitting the sides a little bit, so I got that done. Also got a couple pieces of some Bobcat equipment that are down right now, which I would love to trade in on some Kubota equipment. So uh, if anybody out there is a Kubota dealer, please give me a call. I, I actually, I would do it right now, but I know there's no way to trade that stuff in without adding a payment. And I'm trying not to do that, but I think I've got a, uh, I've got an old Kubota tractor that's about 18 years old. Never had a problem with it. Two pieces of Bobcat equipment, always had problems with them. It's wearing me down. Uh, last thing at the property there, I would say I discovered that the bare fence that I bought, the Energizer, is powered by a regular electric plug. It's not designed for a direct connection into a battery, which is kind of what I really need since I'm running it off a solar panel. So I'll either need to wire it to an inverter or buy another one. At this point, I'm thinking I'll just go ahead and, uh, and just buy another one that's designed to be connected directly to a battery. I feel like having an extra fence energizer around could come in handy for something. I think it's one of those great, like, SHTF kind of things to have laying around. You know, you never know when you might have to energize a fence for whatever reason. So, anyway, I'll hold on to the other one and I'll buy a new one. Uh, on the honeybee side of things, actually the things that people probably care about and want to hear about versus the mess going on at my uh, my property, 
Uh, my bees right now are cranking through about 20 to 25 pounds of uh, sugar. Now that's of course, you know, mixed up at a two to one concentration, but they're going through about 20 to 25 pounds of sugar in the feeders every day right now. They're just killing it. Uh, I do owe all the colonies an inspection because we fairly recently did some work and our, our special guest will be talking about that today. And we'll have more on that here shortly. A uh, couple of quick follow-ups. If you remember from uh, from last week or the last episode, we talked briefly about uh, a situation going on with a young lady here in Virginia, Bristol, Virginia. This is Kimberly. She had a, a challenge going on with some foul brood. Uh, wasn't really sure if it was European or American. Um, had had a couple of uh, email, a little bit of email dialogue back and forth with her. We were going to try and get a, an interview set up this week, and it's 100% my fault. I've just got too much going on right now, but we are going to be uh, getting that going next week, and I will have her on on the next episode to kind of talk through everything, and she'll walk us through what she saw, her, her course of action. Uh, I think it's one of those things where she really did everything right. I mean, she reached out to the right people, engaged all the resources that she could, and I think it's a great learning opportunity for everybody. So we will definitely get her on the, ne- on the next episode here and see what all she has to say. So looking forward to hearing from her. One more uh, news item I'd kind of like to throw, throw your way here. Now, this is something that is specific to Virginia beekeepers. Virginia has a program. It's referred to as the Beehive Distribution Program in Virginia. Now, I'm going to read this to you kind of as they've published it. And then I'll add in some of my own kind of color commentary here. But this program provides equipment directly to eligible individuals for the construction of new beehives. Residents of the Commonwealth of Virginia who are 18 years of age or older at the time of the application or at the time the application is submitted are eligible to receive up to three beehive units per year. Multiple individuals residing in the same household may submit an application. However, no more than three beehive units per household will be distributed. Beehive equipment received through the program must be assembled and occupied with a colony of honeybees within one year of receiving the equipment. Honeybees and equipment to manage beehives, such as personal safety equipment and honey processing equipment, are not provided through the program. Individuals receiving beehive units are encouraged to either correction are encouraged to enter their apiary location in the bee check mapping system. This is VA, this is Victor Alpha dot B-E-E check, C-H-E-C-K dot org, O-R-G. And I guess that's a tracking system they have to kind of, uh, you know, just see where things are. I'm not a part of that, never looked at it, and have no idea what that does. But as far as this program goes, here's my, my personal opinion. Oh, and real quick here, they also have some additional information. For further information, contact the Office of Plant Industry Services by phone at 804 786 Three five one five or email. We'll do this phonetically here at Victor Alpha Bravo Echo Echo Sierra at Victor Delta Alpha Charlie Sierra dot Virginia dot gov G O V or Golf Oscar Victor. Okay, that's all the contact info for them. So here's my opinion on this one, right? I, I think that everybody who's been in Virginia for more than a week knows that you're, you're paying enough money in taxes already. They're collecting plenty of tax revenue from you. If you can get a couple of free beehives from them, I say, why not, right? Um, you know, as my dad used to say, free. It's my favorite four-letter word. So take advantage of it. Apply for it. Tell your friends about it. I mean, they will have a limited number that they'll be able to, pr- to provide, but give it a shot, right? It's just, and it says up to three colonies per year. 
keep in mind, this does not include the actual bees themselves. You will need to get a package of bees. You will need to get a nuke, which is what I would recommend. You need your protective gear, your hive tools, your smoker, all these other things that you still need. So don't forget about that. So I think that's a pretty cool program. I don't know if this is being done in other states or other parts of the country. If it is, by all means, please let me know. I'm happy to plug this for anyone or any other locality, municipality, or any other state. Because obviously this is great education and things that people can can uh, make use of and uh, hopefully get more people engaged and more people involved in beekeeping. So uh, don't hesitate to pass that info along if you happen to have it. Now, without further ado here, I'm going to jump in and uh, we'll do the uh, the interview with my, my guest today. So I knew that my guest was going to be committed this evening to a babysitting gig that she has. So I pre-recorded this, but we'll play it right now and then we'll come back to you in just a second. All right, everybody, and welcome back. We've got the Phoebe Keeper here with us this evening. Phoebes, good evening. How are you? Hi, I'm pretty good. Outstanding. All right. Well, we wanted to bring Phoebe on today to catch up on a couple uh, couple things and some recent activity we've had going on through the yard here. Uh, first off, how's the summer going? Pretty good. Hanging out with family, doing a little bit of traveling. Okay. All right. Traveling anywhere exciting? I heard you mention something about France and Europe earlier. Is that, is that still a go or... Yes. <laughs> I don't think it is. <laughs> we'll play along. Okay. <laughs> so Phoebe is not going to France or Europe for the record. All right. So we, we did some stuff here in the yard, and uh, we were trying to manage the the heat and the uh, the way, of course, that the bees are responding to the heat. Uh, typically what I do is I actually do this in like uh, usually around mid, early to mid-June, this year, there was just too much going on. I didn't get to it, so it was a little bit late. But, Phoebes, if you wouldn't mind, just take a minute here. Walk us through kind of what we did here with our, our colonies here at the house. So, we went up to our nukes, and then we just kind of did a quick inspection, made sure everything was doing okay inside the hive. And then we slid the nuke over and placed the screen bottom board and then a deep hive body. And then we took the frames from the nuke and put them back into the deep Okay. All right. No, no, that's good. That's good. So uh, one thing to kind of keep in mind, folks, is we were running four and five frame nukes. So we had some of them that were, you know, too high. So maybe, you know, two four frame nukes for a total of eight, uh, eight frames. We had, I think one of them was three five frame nukes for 15. So essentially, you know, if we had in that example, 15 frames, we put it into two deeps and then we just added in a couple more, you know, frames of, uh, of wax foundation and, and left it at that. Now, what else did we add on the tops of those, Phoebes? We had vented tops. The vented those. tops. Awesome. So, folks, you've heard me talk about these many, many times before, but just kind of a recap, especially for anybody who's new. This is basically, it's a hive component. It's about three to four inches high. It has three holes in the front, three holes in the back, I think four or five on the sides. These are probably about one-inch holes that are drilled through with hardware cloth over them. This allows a lot of the heat inside the hive to come up and escape through the top. This is the exact same vented top that I use to overwinter. I fill that same cavity with uh, uh, foam insulation. does a great job of absorbing the moisture and keeping the heat in, and uh, I've had tremendous success with those. So that's uh, all good stuff there. Phoebes, with all that work that we did there, 
Um, do you notice anything different? Do you feel like there are fewer bees outside the hives now, or do you think it's about the same? What, what are you seeing outside? I'm definitely seeing a lot more bees inside the hive than nope. before, which is good. Good, good. Okay, awesome. Now, not everybody has access to multiple you know, surplus components, right? Not everybody has green bottom boards. Not everybody has these vented tops. So what, throw out like, you know, maybe one or two ideas if you can think of anything that might help somebody who wants to add some level of ventilation or space but doesn't have any of these extra components. One option would be a slatted rack, which goes in between the bottom board and your first high body. Okay. Which provides a little bit of ventilation. Gotcha. Okay, so it provides a little bit of a gap, a little bit of a, a space kind of separation between the two, a little more airflow there. Okay, good, good. Anything else you can think of? Another option would be drawing holes in some places inside the hive body. Okay, okay. So, well, let's talk about that for a second real quick. Now, I've done this before. I've had a couple of hive components, particularly some some older nukes that I've put together, where there's a hole there that's there year-round. The thing to keep in mind is that when you drill those holes into that hive body and you cover it up with hardware cloth, that's it's a permanent hole. Now the bees can go in there and they can propolize things shut and they will close that up if they want to, if they have the ability to get that done. But what I would say is if you're going to drill any holes into those hive components, keep in mind that it's a lot easier for you to just cover it up for them as it starts to get cooler than it is to make them have to go and propolize the whole thing. What I recommend is, is take a screw or uh, you can use a nail, but screws kind of work a little bit better. Take a block of wood. It doesn't have to be that thick. But go just above, you know, put the block of wood over the hole and you can kind of almost do it like a diamond where you'd have the, you know, like the top and the bottom would be kind of elongated. And up near the top, you can put a screw right through that. And now it is like a pivoting and swiveling door that you can swivel up to have it open to allow ventilation and you can swivel it down closed to keep it closed in the wintertime. Again, I, this is not something I would do across all my colonies if I had 15, 20, or 100 colonies. But one or two here and there, if you just need a little extra ventilation, really a great idea for nukes and, and some of your smaller hive components. So awesome. So Phoebe's, um, I mean, we know that we got, you know, we are still in the dearth. We are feeding. Um, any special considerations here at this time of year? I mean, we're, I mean, we're coming up on, you know, we're probably three to four weeks away from the fall flow kicking in, which is absolutely insane to think that we're this close to the uh, the fall flow. But what kind of things might you be thinking about or you, you want some of the listeners to think about as we're going into, uh, as we are still in this dearth and we're supplemental feeding and, uh, you know, what kinds of considerations should people be keeping in mind right now? Well, this time of year, robbing is not uncommon. So I'd just say keep an eye on your entrance reducers. Uh, a hive can handle having just a small opening, maybe about an inch or half an inch. Yeah, I think like on, on most of like the commercially bought entrance reducers, I think they're going to like the smallest ones about three quarters of an inch or something like that. And that's enough room for one bee to be going in, one going out at the same time. So that's plenty of space. But yeah, I mean, in that, that the smallest entrance or even the, the larger two to three inch, you know, one should be fine. But like Phoebe said, right, keep an eye on those because, um, you know, robbing does happen quite a bit at this time of year. And especially if you're supplemental feeding and you're, or if you're doing any, any feeding inside the colony through frame feeders and things, you know, the bees and other things that are outside the colony can smell that, that sugar syrup. And uh, if you have a weaker colony with a large entrance, they may very well go in and start robbing them out. So definitely good info. So Phoebe, as we're wrapping up here, any last updates you have for everybody? Anything else you want to make sure everybody knows about? We have set up a TikTok a YouTube account, Facebook, and Instagram. 
for the apiary under Sampsell Farms. Just go check that out. Give us some likes, maybe a follow. Subscribe. Okay. Awesome. Well, that sounds good. Well, very, very cool. Well, Phoebes, I hope you enjoy the rest of your summer and your travel through Europe and wherever else you're going to go. And uh, we will look forward to having you back here sometime soon. Maybe we can get you in at least one more time before school starts. What do you think? Definitely. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Phoebe Keeper, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later. All right, so that was the Phoebe Keeper, uh, my good friend and and uh, partner in the beekeeping world here. So thanks, Phoebe. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, being a part of the show today with everybody. What we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead and take a uh, just take a quick break, get the bills paid, and then uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. Hey, everyone, thank you for listening. I hope that you're enjoying the show and are finding the information to be useful and valuable. In order to help keep the lights on, we do need to take a quick commercial break. Thank you so very much for hanging in there, and I appreciate you. We will be right back. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, everyone, welcome back, and thank you for staying with us today. As always, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or comments. I always enjoy hearing about your experiences, answering questions, and learning more about the challenges you're facing in different parts of the world. So please keep them coming. It's Jeff at beekeepingfornewbies.com. Now let's get back to the show on the Beekeeping for Newbies radio network. Okay, that's not a real thing, but I'm trying to make it sound more official, so just play along, all right? Thanks a lot. All right, everybody, welcome back. And now we're going to jump in and catch a couple of listener uh, emails today. First one I'll start off with is Josh. This is Josh up in Muskegon, Michigan. So Josh had reached out, and what he's trying to do is um, he's got a, uh, I guess, a kind of a narrow piece of land up there, and he's thinking about the idea of doing some beekeeping. In fact, I'll, I'll just read what he says right here. He says, uh, I guess what I'm wondering is if you have any advice for keeping bees as much out of the way as possible, or if I were to only have one or two hives, how far away would you have to be or would they have to be to, to not notice the bees quite so much? And his follow-on question to that is also was wondering if you planned on doing a show talking about possible challenges for us less rural folks or the suburban type of folks. So I did answer this for Josh in an email, but um, at a real high level here, what I would say is for the most part, if people can't see the bees, they are not going to give you a hard time about them. They're probably not going to know they're there at all. What I recommend is, is do some creative painting with them as far as the colors go. And I've had the girls you know, do different things with you know, painting flowers or different things on them and just making it look like a little yard planner or a yard box. And if you just, if you do it right, it's kind of hard to even tell what it is. In general, there are kind of a lot of things you need to look at. And because of this and, and Josh's uh, suggestion, I'm actually going to dedicate the entire next episode to discussing suburban beekeeping. I think it's a great idea that he came up with about that, and there are so many moving parts to it, and I think it really makes sense to just dedicate a full episode to it. So I'm going to go in, and we're going to talk about 
you know, codes and ordinances and, you know, considerations, things you should do, things you shouldn't do, uh, things you can do to kind of keep yourself out of trouble, as well as a couple of um, ways for kind of objection handling, right? When someone says, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't have bees here because of blah, 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 right? Maybe we'll kind of try and come up with a list of the top five objections that you're going to hear and the best way for you to address them. So we will dedicate an episode to that. But the short story kind of key takeaway is if people don't see it, they're not going to know about it. Now, I'm not telling you to break the law. If, if there is a law, a ordinance, a code in your area that says you can't have bees, then obviously I'm, I'm, I would advise you to not break the law. Now, me, myself, I would break the law because I don't really care, but I would not tell you to do that. So, you know, I want you to be responsible. I don't want you to get in any kind of trouble. So we're going to dedicate a full episode to that. Thank you, Josh. Good idea. And we will make that happen next week. We will also still have um, the interview with uh, Kimberly next week as well. So both of those will go together. Next email is from Scott. And Scott is out in, uh, I think it's Western North Carolina. I apologize if it's not Western Scott, but I know it's in here in North Carolina. But he was asking about an eight-frame nuke. He said, hey, I've got an opportunity to get an eight-frame nuke. What do you think? Is it too late in the season? You know, what, what is your, um, what's your advice on that one? In general, what I would say is if you were getting a traditional you know, nuke in an eight-frame box, right, a four- or five-frame nuke in an eight-frame box, at this time of year, that's a tough hill to climb. If you're getting eight full frames, that certainly makes things better, right? If you have three or four frames of brood, maybe three frames of, of capped honey and a couple of frames of some nectar and pollen, but it's still an uphill battle to take a colony. And again, I don't know specifically where he is, not, not geographically. I mean, I know he's in North Carolina, but you have some areas that are very rural that have a lot of things in bloom right now where there's a good nectar flow. And that colony could fill, you know, 15 uh, frames full of honey in the next couple of weeks, right? Or they could be in the same situation that I am here at my house now and in the suburbs where unless I continue feeding my bees, they will have nothing. They will go through everything that they gathered this spring. And by the time the fall flow kicks in in a few weeks, they'll be pretty much dead. So I can't say for certain one way or another whether or not an eight-frame nuke can survive. That's just really based on what your, your geography and, and what actions you take and things that are going on where you are. But I would say if you, if you plan to, if there is a flow on and you're seeing them returning with pollen, you're seeing frames being filled, you're, you're, they're drawing out comb, they're storing nectar, they're, they're trying to cure the honey, um, that's great news. If you're not seeing that, or if you're, even if you're concerned that maybe there's no nectar flow, you're not really sure, drop a frame feeder in, drop a top feeder in, put some kind of a feeder inside the colony to give them something. If they don't take it up, if they're not using it at all and bringing it in and storing it, throw it away, right? That probably means they found something they like better that they would rather have versus the sugar syrup. But you just need to be really, really mindful that an eight-frame nuke or an eight-frame hive body you know, even if it's completely packed out today, that's a tough hill to climb for a colony to overwinter with that. Now, I've overwintered nukes before. I've overwintered small colonies. As long as they have enough resources available to get through the winter, that's really all that matters. The tough thing that we don't really know today is, are we going to have a mild winter with temperatures in the high 30s, low 40s, almost, you know, 90% of the time with a couple of cold dips? Or are we going to have, like we had a few years ago, it was about five years ago, we had a winter where it stayed in the teens and 20s for like three weeks. 
I mean, I have a, a river that's a thousand feet behind my house and the river was frozen from bank to bank, right? So in a winter that is as harsh as that, those bees are going to need a whole lot more honey stored to make it through the winter. So uh, I, my suggestion to Josh, generally speaking, was I don't think it's the best idea, but can you make it work? Absolutely. And I just advised him to continue aggressively feeding, make sure that you know, the, the feeders are staying full, and uh, that's the best chance you'll give them to make it, you know, to make it through the winter. Um, in general, I would tell somebody with anything, whether it's beekeeping or anything else in life, you're better off to try and fail than to sit back and do nothing at all, right? So, so he's trying. He's going to give it a shot. I said Josh. I think it just now, by the way, it was Scott. I'm sorry, but, um, but Scott, I would rather you or anybody else try, try and fail than to sit at your house and just wonder what it's like to be a beekeeper and and do the thing that a lot of us get stuck in that loop of every year. I'll, I'll do it next year. I'll do it next year. I'll do it next year. I don't know. I mean, next year is not going to be here for everybody, right? Next year isn't here for my mom. It's not here for my dad. It's not here for my grandparents, right? So don't wait till next year. Do it today. Uh, next email I have, and I'm probably going to botch this one a little bit. I apologize. I don't know if it's pronounced Jono or Jono. I apologize. Uh, New South Wales, Australia. I had to give you a mention because that's probably the farthest listener that's reached out to me. But he heard my discussion around varroa mites, and he had sent a link in an email making reference to uh, Dutch honeybees that are resistant to varroa being imported into Australia to help guard against the pest. So uh, that was pretty cool, uh, interesting article. And uh, I know that there are uh, apiaries. I've, I've had dialogue with a few of them myself who claim, you know, we haven't had varroa in our apiary for 15 years, 20 years, or whatever. Um, I know that a lot of uh, queen breeders and um, apiaries that are really have a lot of uh, like sort of like biological and laboratory type resources available to them are doing a lot of work around studying, you know, uh, mite resistant genetics and things like that. And there are several of them that they claim that they, you know, that they can pretty well eradicate Varroa just through the genetics and the hygienic traits of the colonies. It's, it's really, really a cool thing. Um, I looked at some of the pricing on one of them, and it was the, just for their queen that is supposed to have these great genetics was pretty cost prohibitive for a guy like me. So, um, you know, when I make about, you know, 4 or $5 million and I have a bunch of extra cash laying around, maybe I'll buy a couple of those queens, but they were, they were a little pricey. But anyway, thank you so much for the email. I appreciate it. Good to hear from you from down under there. And uh, definitely please keep in touch. So, folks, we're going to kind of start wrapping things up here. But a quick summary on the next episode, we're going to talk about the suburban beekeeper uh, on the suggestion from Josh. We're going to go through all that. We'll talk to Kimberly. We'll get our follow up with her on the foul brood situation. Uh, We'll go back, hit a couple more listener emails. And uh, the episode following that is going to be our winterization. So we're going to start diving in. It's one of those things where in my mind I see as being a single episode. But when I look at all the dynamics to it and all the the, uh, the things that I think are going to be important, it's, it might even be a two- or three-parter. I've got friends around the country. Some of them end up with two or three feet of snow around their hives. And uh, it might not be a bad idea for me to bring one or two of those gentlemen on the line, have them talk about what they do. So we're going we're gonna to extend this winterization piece out a little bit, but I do want to get on to it early because I recognize that folks up north are going to get colder before we are here down in the south. And uh, I want to make sure we're, we're staying on top of things. So, uh, folks, that's about all that I've got right now. I definitely appreciate everyone uh, tuning in and listening. And, again, I appreciate all your feedback. So please please keep it coming. Uh, I'm going to be 
a little bit tied up here for the next couple of weeks. I'll be making tons of notes, but I've got some travel. I'll be, uh, I'll be out and about. I'll give you guys all the updates later. I don't bore, bore you with it now, but thank you folks so much. Take care, and we'll look forward to uh, catching up with you again real soon. Thanks. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.